The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. All right, back here in the home studio. Uh, I'll sound a lot better than I did on last week's podcast. I, it sounded like you edited me in between, <laughs> between your comments. Yeah, there was this weird noise in your background there in your parents' basement in small town Manitoba. But uh, good to have you back after your 25th anniversary. I understand you've got uh, a new whiskey. Yes, I do. Um, this is Cavan. K-A-V-A-N. All right. It is a blended... No, it's not. It's a single malt from Taiwan, of all places. Oh. How did you come across this? I did a favor for someone, and uh, they know to pay in whiskey. I am uh, drinking my dirty vodka martini with Luke Susowa. Is that what that is? That's the Polish one, yeah. That's the Polish one. A potato-based vodka. And clearly, I'm liking it because I'm already slurring my words. That's uh, how my people make uh, make vodka. Are you Polish? I'm Ukrainian. Oh, I thought it was Ukrainian. <laughs> Ukrainian. <laughs> Sorry, I got that from Ted Wallachin. <laughs> we, um, what we do is we pick potatoes, we put them in a pail, we let them rot, and then we drink the juice. <laughs> From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. 2020 hindsight. We'll look back at the Canadian radio station responsible for bringing American Motown to the Motor City. Wondering where your luggage is? Geeks and Beats gadget ninja Aaron Lawrence took the track dot for a test flight. And bringing back the mixtape. Apple has a new patent guaranteed to make it money and make rejected geeks that much more likely to switch to Android. Plus, a Geeks and Beats update on our last week to win that limited edition swag and why the Coke-fueled 1970s is back, baby, if you've got HBO. And now... Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. You showed up for all of what, 25 minutes to the big Geeks and Beats staff <laughs> meeting slash uh, piss up. Yes. We got all liquored up. And How long did it last? Oh, we went to a good, we closed the place. No, you didn't. Did you really? Oh, uh, and we ended up getting caught up in a conversation about CKLW The Big Eight. I was there for the start of that. Yes. CKLW, the Motor City. How did this conversation go? Well, it was an interesting conversation about not just the fact that the Big Eight in Windsor, Detroit, invented Motown music. These were the guys who truly discovered the uh, Supremes. Uh, it was Rosalie Tremblay as the music director who uh, was willing to play this music when the Detroit radio stations were unwilling to do so because they were black artists. Mm -hmm. and, and how scary is that to put them on the radio? So Rosalie Tremblay blew through all that and really made that sound, the Motown sound, ironically a Canadian thing. But the point was with that with 
2020 news where they did the news 20 minutes before the hour and 20 minutes after the hour that high energy rock and roll sound needed to be extended into the the news guy as well to ensure that people didn't flip the channel it's 11.40. This is John Belmont, CKLW 2020 News. Congratulations, Detroit. You can be thoroughly ashamed of yourself. The 1973 homicide tool has reached a nice even 750. Details on the latest leveling from Police Sergeant Bob Bunning. You were summoned to a parking lot at Gratiot and Seven Mile Road uh, to investigate reports of a shooting. Upon arrival, our officers discovered the body of a woman identified as Kathleen Tresick, 36 years old, suffering from a gunshot wound to the head while sitting in the front seat of a car. They tried to replicate it at other radio stations across North America, but they never did it quite as well as the Big Eight folks. Right, because at the end of the day, these guys had to keep the listener interested. They had to keep the energy up and the writing required to get into what was real. Quite frankly, the, the audio clips we can play here are clips that aired on Canadian radio stations completely legally, but if you aired them today, you couldn't do so without a disclaimer and a warning that the content therein may not be suitable for some listeners. The writing was powerful, strained through the grill of a Buick. Another deadly duel of Detroit dastardly deeds as the dice decreed death, a disagreement over 7 come 11. Now she's in heaven. The man who delivered that double-barreled death with his package of penetrating pellets has been pounced in the pen. In another case of hot lead in the head, a heavy-handed hitchhiker tipped with a trigger and paid his bill in bullets. Yeah, we have something now called the Canadian Broadcast Standards Council, which is a self-regulating body of private radio stations who um, maintain this council so that the government doesn't step in and censor radio or dictate radio content. And, of course, we live in an era where people wake up and decide that they're going to be offended by anything on any given day. Uh, I can't imagine a radio station like this existing. You'll, you'll understand here. I, I posted this a little while ago on my website, and the headline was uh, a throwback to CKLW in 2020 news. You may not believe what you were about to hear. This is not a joke. This is not a parody. This is not some skit. This was actual radio done in the late 60s and early 1970s. I always wanted, because I worked at the all-news radio station, 680 News, for six-some-odd years, when they had a big anniversary for the Big 8 CKLW in Windsor, Detroit, I wanted to, to I really wanted to take an entire programming day and do it in that high-energy style. But you would wear people out within an hour. Oh, there's no way. I mean, you would have to be at some heightened level of consciousness to do the writing and then you would have to pump it up twice an hour to do this on the air and these were awesome performances that would take an awful lot out of you oh you're just reading the news uh-uh this was something much more than that. Dick Smythe, who is a Canadian radio news legend, talks a lot about the animation necessary uh, to uh, put that energy into the show and his use of his arms and his hands and all of that. The writing, however, just because it was really on the edge didn't mean that these guys didn't get in trouble sometimes. One of the most popular newsmen of the era, Randall Carlyle, got a phone call one day over this. This is Randall Carlyle, CKLW 2020 News. The stench of young burning flesh rose over Port Huron this morning as baby-hungry flames ate alive five little boys. 
I thought it was creative. And the second I got off the phone, lights up, and Byron's on the phone, and he said, Randall, there's a fine line we don't cross, and you just crossed it. And if you cross it again, you won't have a job. Yeah, can you imagine something like that running today? No, no. way. I mean, I, I listen to it now, and I go, jeez, dude, <laughs> that's, a, that's a bit too far. My favorite story, though, came from a, a friend of mine who worked at the Big Eight in Windsor, Detroit, just before it sort of came to an end. And I won't mention his name because I don't know that he would appreciate it if I, I, I did. But uh, they talked a lot about the, the yellow journalism of the Big Eight in Windsor, Detroit. And he said they would uh, stretch the truth. They would not lie. They would um, embellish. And that yellow journalism had a lot to do with whether or not you could prove it. By example, he said one particular story was the result of the police being called after neighbors heard blood-curdling screams coming from a house and it turned out the son had some beef with mom had murdered her had um, well opened up the top of mom and had grabbed a spoon and had proceeded to have lunch this is right out of the uh, silence of the lamb sequel you sort of feel that way, exactly. And um, so his line was, and the police bust down the door and there he was eating his mother's brains with a grapefruit spoon. And he was using a spoon, but they didn't know what kind of spoon. So his yellow journalism, push it to the limits, allowed him to call it a grapefruit spoon because that created just that much more of a mental image in your head. Yeah, a spoon with a little bit of a serrated edge. But to your point, you could not do this kind of radio today. <laughs> no. I think we just did, though, didn't we? Yeah, well, we, we kind of did, but we were, we're doing it in an academic way. We're, we're schooling people in the way things used to be. This is Canadian cultural history, so I think we get a free pass on this one. Speaking of things that have long passed their time. If you can remember the 90s, you probably remember the company behind these wacky deals. Look what's coming in your mail. It says, get 11 albums for only $1 when you join the Columbia Record and Tape Club. But after decades in business, Columbia House is finally going out of business. The parent company behind the mail order music giant just filed for bankruptcy in the U.S. And looking at the numbers, it's astonishing it lasted so long. Revenues peaked in 1996 at 1.5. 4 billion bucks, but have been declining ever since, falling to a measly 17 million last year. Columbia actually left the music business in 2010 thanks to the rise of digital delivery services like iTunes. And now, according to those bankruptcy papers, it has less than 10 million bucks in assets and as much as 100 million in debt. For Geeks and Beats, I'm Matt Padani. A couple of interesting things about the record house business is that, first of all, the records tended to be of, uh, let's call it inferior quality when it came to manufacturing, thinner vinyl, uh, the, the jackets were a little bit shoddy. And secondly, it was written into the record contracts of, of everybody that uh, your you were not paid royalties on any records that were sold through record clubs. Oh, really? So there was a, a reduced cost to Columbia Records so that they could actually throw you X number of compact discs, eight-track cassettes or singles for a dollar or a penny or whatever the deal happened to be. Right. And if your record was among those, 
you got nothing. It was considered to be promotional spillage. It's amazing that with a business model like that, they did. They went out of business. Own one of the craptastic mugs of the world's most popular podcast and support the show. You too can use the power of science to hold liquids, both hot or cold. Visit geeksandbeats.com today. I know you do a lot of traveling and Sometimes you might fly Air France, or as a buddy of mine calls it, Air Chance, where you <laughs> lose your luggage every time. I, uh, I've, been, I've been rather lucky with luggage, but I have that horrible feeling in my stomach as I'm standing at the baggage carousel, wondering if my bag is in fact going to come down the ramp. And there have been a number of times where it's been at the very, very end, and I know that's all my clothes, and I could really use something to ease my fears. That's where Gadget Ninja Aaron Lawrence comes in. Aaron Lawrence, Gadget Ninja, able to leap from Windows 8 to Windows 10 in a single bound, can insert a USB stick in a single try, and consumes bandwidth like your mother-in-law at an all-you-can-eat buffet. If you have a problem and you can't find anyone at Best Buy to help you, maybe you need (laughs) the Gadget Ninja. Any similarity to Marvel, DC Comics, or the A-Team is purely coincidental. Please don't sue us. Aaron, this is the Track Dot Luggage Tracker. How's it work? It's pretty simple. It actually uses cell phone technology. So it's it's built basically so that when it comes in and out of airports, it trips the cell phone system and it'll send you an alert uh, on your phone, on your email, text message, depending on what you want. And it'll tell you, hey, guess what? Your bag is in Calgary or your bag is in Toronto or your bag is in Vancouver. And depending on where you are, you're going to be very pleased about it or very ticked off. This is a good thing because uh, I'll tell you one time we were coming back from New York City and we were standing at the carousel at Pearson Airport for an hour and our bag still had not appeared. We went to the baggage uh, distress woman and said, where are our bags? And it turns out that somebody had unloaded all the bags, put them on a truck and then went for a coffee break. So they lost essentially an entire plane load worth of luggage. Uh, some place between the plane and the and the conveyor belt. And had we had something like this, I could have said, well, I know exactly where it is. Yeah, well, wait a minute. If it's only 49 bucks, how does it deal with the cellular components where you've got various roaming contracts with companies all around the world? There is a cellular connection. Uh, there's a there's a yearly fee. It's 13 bucks because, let's be honest, someone's got to pay for the cell phone use and tripping the towers and everything else. And if your cell phone carrier, you know, if you're um, responding to those calls or messages or emails or messages, I should say, um, on your cell phone down in the States, for example, as I was recently, um, I would pay roaming charges on my cell phone for that. But in terms of the track dots fees, it's a $13 annual fee. That's not bad if you do an awful lot of traveling. Does it give you an SMS message or, or how does it notify you where it is? You can set it up to do whichever you want. So if you want a text message, uh, if you want an email, for me, I have both set up um, because if I'm in the States, I definitely don't have my text messages turned on. I usually have it in airplane mode. Um, But if I'm near enough to Wi-Fi, I can still get the messages. And of course, if you're standing in an airport, you know, in Kuala Lumpur or somewhere and your bag's not there, maybe you want to turn the cell phone on for a couple minutes just to see what's going on, see if your bag has checked in with the system. I'm going to someplace in the interior of BC towards the end of this month. And then, oddly enough, I am going to Kuala Lumpur next month. I was totally making that up. I had no idea you were actually going to Kuala Lumpur. No, it'll be September the 17th, I believe. 
so did you you tested this out yourself? I did. I took it on a trip to uh, the States. We flew in and out of Dallas. And funnily enough, I'll try and make this a short story. Um, I got a call when I was standing in line to board my plane from Calgary to Dallas. And it's a baggage handler from not my airline who says, hey, uh, we've got your bag, I think. And I'm like, how did you get this number? But I had stuck my number on the bag and it was all the camping gear we were going to use while we were in the States. And he says, I guess the baggage tag fell off because it's down here. I don't know where to send it. So I put him on the phone with my airlines person and they're all confused and they're like well we're boarding the plane we don't know if we're going to get this bag and I'm like you guys you got to get this is all my gear you've got to get this on the plane and then I start thinking oh this is fantastic I've got my track dots stashed in the bags and then I have a moment of horror when I realize the bag he's described to me is not the bag that I've actually put the track dot in so I had one track dot two bags And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, of course I put it in the other one that is probably now on the plane. So for me, this was a commercial for if you're traveling with two or three checked bags of very important stuff, get one for every bag. So then how is it powered? How do you ensure that the thing doesn't die on you? It's two AA batteries. And what they recommend you do is start with a fresh pair of batteries before you travel every time. Uh, That's what I did for this trip and it lasted um, great. When TrackDot actually sent me my tracker initially, I had them turn it on and power it up so that when FedEx was running it, you know, through, I think it was seven airports across the U.S. before it got to here in Canada, it sent me a message from each of those seven airports every time it tripped one of the cell towers there. Oh, that's cool. It was really cool. Okay, the last time you were on, you talked about a wireless doorbell. Yes. From Swan. I've ordered it. It should arrive any day now. So now... I'm going to order a couple of track dots because we never travel with more than two check bags. Smart man. So I'm going to get two. So that's $49 each plus $13 each for the cell tracking. Yes. And there is a small activation fee as well. um, Just once you get going. It's less than the yearly fee so far as I understand. Where can I get these things? Uh, you can get them from TrackDot's website. It's trackdot.com. And TrackDot is spelled T-R-A-K-D-O-T, not T-R-A-C-K. Okay. For more on this, go to geeksandbeats.com and be sure to check out Aaron's blog, AaronLawrence.ninja. And of course, you're on Instagram as well as Twitter, AaronLYYC, because of course you are in Calgary. Calgary. Great having you with us. See ya. Thanks, you guys. Take care. Well, I'm going to buy a couple of those things, I guarantee you. Because uh, there's one trip that we take where we end up going from Toronto to either Philadelphia or Charlotte or Newark to St. Martin. And then there's this gap in the trip where from St. Martin to St. Bart's where I'm never really sure where our bags are because they don't always put the bags on the flight that you're on. It could be an earlier flight, could be a later flight. So when you land, it's a a crapshoot. You never know where your bags are. This is going to solve that problem. Talk about a humble brag. Whenever I go to St. Bart's. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Time now for a Geeks and Beats update. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. 
So we've got an update on our Geeks and Beats uh, Power Stick 3 uh, limited edition giveaway where uh, you could, in fact, win this fantastic uh, gadget from the folks over at Power Stick. It's a rugged 2300 milliamp charger, and it could be yours for just a buck. But of course, as you know, Alan, there's only one way you could win the Power Stick 3 Geeks and Beats limited edition charger. That's right. You have to join the world's worst intern program where you, in fact, pay to do absolutely and receive absolutely nothing. You go to our site, you go to the Patreon page, and then you pledge a certain amount of money per show. It could be a dollar, it could be $50, could be $1,000, and it could be a per show thing, or we could put a time limit on it saying that you are going to sponsor the next 30 shows at $1 a show. Whatever the case is, for every dollar that you spend on making sure that we manage to stay on the air, that's the equivalent of one lottery ticket in this particular draw. If you pledge, say, $25 for this particular show, that means you have 25 chances to win the Power Stick. Exactly. And the neat features in the Power Stick 3 is that it'll charge your smartphone from 0% all the way up to 100%. 2,300 milliamps, that's, uh, that's fairly robust, isn't it? That's about the equivalent of a standard smartphone battery itself. Okay. So this will give you one full charge. You keep it in your purse. You keep it in your back pocket because it's like the size of a stick of gum. Which, by the way, even though it is the size of a stick of gum, do not eat the limited edition Geeks and Beats Power Stick 3. No, it would be bad. It's got four LED lights that indicate the charge, and if there are no lights, there's no charge. So it'll do your smartphone, you know, once, maybe twice, uh, but if you've got, like, a flip phone, it'll do it, like, a billion times or so. Mm. So if you do want to win this thing, and it is only one, that's what makes it limited edition, courtesy of PowerStick, uh, become a patron of the show. Go to geeksandbeats.com, click the support the show link. We got uh, a bunch of new interns on the big show as well. <laughs> Kevin Button is our latest uh, patron on the show, pledging $2, and he set a zero lifetime limit. So every time we put out an episode, we ding him for 2 bucks. Same thing with Dave Duva. Uh, Devin Arn was a, uh, a big-time uh, follower of the show not too long ago. Nick Alderati, uh, Michael Yurkovich have been past uh, participants as well in the World's Worst Intern Program. We want to thank uh, Rob Frimmer for his support as well, and Brendan Tan, uh, among others. Randy Redekop's in there. He's pledged a buck, but a $40 limit, which means that... At the lifetime limit is 40 episodes. We get a dollar from me each. Okay. I've had a number, an astounding number of people come to me and say, hey, what is this Patreon thing that you guys are using? We've heard some good things about it. Can you tell us how it works? And and I have. Well, the neat thing about it is that you can, as a patron, set a limit so that we don't rack up your credit card for the rest of life. You, you could, to your point, make it $1,000. If, By the way, if you make it $1,000, we're just going to give you the Power Stick 3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and anything else that we may have in our pockets. GMB listener Eric Wilhite, meantime, uh, as a Geeks and Beats update, to uh, mention that we were talking about how crappy Apple Music is since they borked the app not too long ago with the 8.4 iOS update. He says, I thought you guys might want to know about this. I figured out a new way to track your Apple Music downloads. He says, you go to your phone settings, then under general and usage, manage storage, music. It shows you all the albums you've downloaded, gives you the option to delete them, and he says it's all in six easy steps. Ha, ha, ha. I still haven't managed to restore my playlist. I see them on iTunes but I can't get them over to my phone. You do like the Apple mixtape idea, though. The Apple mixtape is is kind of cool. Um, 
if you were are old enough, you remember what it was like putting together a, a loving mixtape where oh, yeah. you would find exactly the right songs and sequence them in exactly the right order and have a beginning, middle, and end. And it would take you, well, for a 60-minute tape, it may take you two hours to put the whole thing together because you were doing it in real time. Apple has come up with their own mixtape idea, which will allow you to do exactly the same thing um, with little other pieces of audio in between the songs. You'll be able to order the songs in exactly the order that they're supposed to go into. You'll be able to share it. And if you share your mixtape playlist with somebody and they accept it, you will be billed for the song purchases on iTunes. If that other person rejects your lovingly made mixtape, you won't be charged anything because obviously they don't want your mixtape. And they don't want you. And they don't want you. So this could create some interesting, embarrassing situations. Did you ever make a mixtape for a girl? did because there was never any girls to make mixtapes for remember the, the the title of this program is geeks and beats yes good well having said that i think i've mentioned this once before where i was the recipient of a mixtape you were i was and being the geek that i am at the time and i think i was 20 i had no idea what this meant and it was a when she found out that i liked ska she put together this fantastic 60 minute compilation of her favorite ska music and a bunch of other things mixed in and it was unsolicited and out of the blue and i didn't really know her that well and she gave it to me and i said thanks i i guess and i just sort of put it away and i never listened to it at all and then one day she said to me did you ever listen to that mixtape and it was like a light bulb went off in my head oh my god mm. this was her letting me know that she was into me and you crushed her totally just like lisa did with ralph on the simpsons that moment where you could see his heart break Watch this, Lise. You can actually pinpoint the second when his heart rips in half. And now. Nice going. Colta Mac on this new Apple mixtape idea says that this is a patent that they've applied for. Is this an actual product that's available? I don't think it is available. I think it is something that Apple may want to work into future versions of, of Apple Music. I don't really understand why it's patentable. You know, given that basically you're just ordering a bunch of songs and allowing users to drop in other pieces of audio between those songs. But, you know, Apple will patent anything that they think they can make money on. What kind of audio would you drop in in between the tracks? Well, you could do voice memos. Ah, uh, yes, because there's nothing sexier than after having some sexy song play, you come on going, hi, I hope you like that track. <laughs> or just some sort of commentary. That would work. Maybe there are, you know, some various voice drops that you could drop in or sound effect drops that you could uh, throw in there. It's, it's an interesting idea. And, and again, the idea is that you keep the, the integrity, the sequencing um, 
uh, together for the entire thing because if you, you know, flip it to shuffle, I mean, that ruins the whole thing, right? Exactly, because there is a definite value in the order in which you've got the tracks. I'm looking at the uh, United States uh, Patent Office filing right here. It starts off with the recipient at the top with the digital media items, the album track, a personal message, as well as additional content, and then the playback attributes, which I suppose are whether or not you want them to be able to play it more than once. And then you receive this pop-up as the recipient saying that you've received a digital mixtape. Reject or accept. It's Wow, it's like 1980s all over again, but with a Tinder feel. It is. And I can just imagine the feelings that must go through somebody's head when they get the answer that they've been rejected. And they they actually use the word reject instead of decline. It's like, no, you've been rejected. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I know. Uh, I won't be using this at all. Well, that's because you've been married 25 years. Well, it is. And I'd probably... She doesn't like music all that much, so. Yeah, if if, if you sent your wifey a mixtape, she'd be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I can just go into your office and listen to whatever I want whenever I want. See, after X number of years, love is dead. That's the end of the conversation. Well, I don't know if it's dead, but it's certainly... Resting? Uh, let's just say that... Yeah, you know what? Don't say anything. I won't say anything. Thank you. Before we go any further, I would like to make a a plea to anybody who may be listening to this program. Please go to geeksandbeats.com, find our Facebook page, and and give us some likes. We have been stuck at 522 likes for a very long time, and we're starting to feel rather insecure. Speaking of rejection. When you think fashion, you think Geeks and Beats. Fresh from the runways of Milan and Paris, it's the G&B Fall Jacket. Great for early morning runs or standing in line at Starbucks on your phone. Show your support for the big show with the only fall jacket you'll ever need. Go to geeksandbeats.com slash swag today. Well, we've heard this story before. Apple has been hiring automotive engineers for the past couple of years now to do something. The thinking was that they were going to be used to uh, on the on the CarPlay project. But every once in a while, we keep hearing these rumors that Apple is, in fact, thinking about building, call it an iCar. Now, whether it's going to be an actual car for production or some kind of perpetual prototype that they're going to use for testing all their automotive designs, it remains to be seen. But um, I can see Apple and BMW working together because there has been a significant amount of cooperation when it came when it comes to dashboard software. Um, BMW is one of the companies that had bought in early to, to CarPlay. So maybe they're sharing technology, sharing resources to come up with something with something better? I don't know. I, I'm still in the camp that says there's no way Apple is going to build an iCar. They may contract someone else to build an iCar, but it's most likely that the center console, the infotainment component to any car in the future, will be 
Apple branded versus the entire car because you really don't want Apple to get involved in the business of you know replacing mufflers. No, they don't want to do that. But rather than BMW, I think Apple should go out and buy Tesla. Now, Tesla is hemorrhaging money. They lose about $4,000 per car, and they haven't been able to, to scale their manufacturing enough so that they can bring the cost per unit down. If Apple bought Tesla Motors with the $200 billion in cash the company is sitting in the bank, do you know how much money they'd have still in the bank after buying Tesla? Most of it. About $170 billion. Right. It makes sense because if you look at the display in a Tesla vehicle, uh, it's, it's, it's all about the infotainment and the telemetrics. So it would make much more sense for Apple and Tesla to get together. And apparently there have been some exchange of executives between the two companies and engineers. Did I ever tell you about the, the guy I talk to on, on my TV show all the time who bought a Tesla via iPhone? No. He act, you can actually buy a Tesla Model S using their iPhone app. See, that would be a bad thing because I would probably do that. There's the, the high-end Model S, which is about $101,000, $102,000 after all the rebates. Yes. And it has this uh, setting called, I think it's called ludicrous or insane mode. It's kind of like space balls. Wait! What happened? Where are they? I don't know, sir. They must have hyperjets on that thing. And what do we got on this thing? A Cuisinart? No, sir. We'll find them, catch them. Yes, sir. Prepare ship for light speed. No, 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 light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes, we're going to have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Prepare ship! Prepare ship for ludicrous speed. Fasten all seatbelts. Seal all entrances and exits. Close all shops in the mall. Cancel the free-ring circus. Secure all animals in the zoo. Give me that, you petty excuse for an officer. Now hear this. Ludicrous speed. Sir, had you better buckle up? Now buckle this. Ludicrous speed. Go! You can do zero to 60 in less than three seconds. Hey, dude, I got to tell you, after driving a Honda Civic for 11 years, getting that Murano with six cylinders, those two additional cylinders, oh my God, the power. I had no idea cars could be like this. I know. The car was in the driveway on on Saturday when the when wifey came to pick up the wife. I know. I know. They all went out and got all liquored up and had a grand old time. Of course, they didn't drive after. Apparently so. I mean, they left to here at uh, like six o'clock. Nobody got home until 10. I know. What were they? What do you suppose? What do you suppose they were talking about? Oh, I know exactly what they were talking about. Well, they were talking about feelings. I know that. They were also talking about your twenty-fifth wedding anniversary. Oh, were they? Yes. Because I, well, I, I, when wife got home, I said, "Hey, what did you talk about?" Oh, stuff, girl stuff. Oh, okay. What? 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 Uh, what? What did you offer to buy wifey for her twenty-fifth wedding anniversary? I didn't offer to buy anything. We agreed that that's, we wouldn't that's do it. That's not true. I'm told. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, Do you even want to talk about that? I don't think we better. Um, <laughs> no, no. It was actually her suggestion. Oh, see, that was that was left out. That little oh, tidbit was left out. That's no, a certain she 
no, it was... Here, here's what we're going to do. If you can guess what Alan allegedly offered to buy his wife for their 25th wedding anniversary, we will send you free of charge a complimentary Geeks and Beats of fantastic license plate cover. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, we were joking last week that nobody would buy the Geeks and Beats license plate cover or a Geeks and Beats bumper sticker. Guess what? People have bought some? One sale. <laughs> well, do you know that it's illegal? It's illegal to have a cover over your license plate. That this is just a frame? Either of, Yes, it, this is just the frame. Okay. It just has the Geeks and Beats logo on it. It's a nice chrome frame, as opposed to a cover, which is a whole different thing, which, as we all know, and nobody has ever bought a license plate tinted cover without the express purpose of screwing the toll highway system. Because you know exactly what that's all about. I, I, I know. My license plate frame is from my dealership. As is mine. And it is a full cover. But it's clear, right? It's not tinted. But it's clear. But it doesn't matter. Under the Ontario Highway Traffic Act, that's illegal. But the guys getting pulled over are the ones that have the tinted ones, which at an angle, the cameras on the 407 toll highway won't be able to pick up what your plate is. That's obviously the guys who are getting dinged with the $125 charge. Right. But we don't have to we don't have to worry about this because it's the it's just a frame. Exactly. We don't have to worry about that. So if you want to go to geeksandbeats.com, show your pride. It's an absolutely free license plate frame for 10 bucks. 10 bucks? I thought it was 15. Right. Originally it was 15 because it was a different type of frame. They we're all out of stock on that. So the only one that was available was the Chrome one. It was actually cheaper. So uh, for absolutely zero markup, $10, you can show your love and, and pride for the big show. And we have no, absolutely no idea why you would want to do that, but we would appreciate that. Okay. I am purchasing mine right now. Yeah, I don't believe you. Picks or it didn't happen. Uh, okay. Using PayPal. All right. Martin Scorsese's got a new rock and roll HBO deal. Yeah, he's working together with Mick Jagger uh, on this thing called called Vinyl, and it is a rock and roll drama that will be set in the 1970s, back in the days of hookers and blow. <laughs> what do you mean, back in the days? <laughs> well, no, I mean, hookers and blow flowed like water. Um, and one of the writers on the project is Terrence Winter, who was the guy behind Boardwalk Empire, and he also wrote <gasps> a whole bunch of uh, Sopranos episodes. Really? So they, oh, yeah, this is... This is going to be cool. Did you enjoy the Boardwalk Empire? Did you watch any of that? Uh, I watched the first three series, uh, the three seasons very, very religiously. After that, I got kind of bored, but I managed to jump on for the final season, so I know how it all ended. Who's the, the lead in it? Steve Buscemi. Thank you. Steve Buscemi was fantastic in that. Yeah. Oh, very good. Boys, boys. Mr. Mayor, fellow members of the city council, in less than two hours... Liquor will be declared illegal by decree of the distinguished gentlemen of our nation's Congress. To those beautiful, ignorant bastards. Prohibition! We got a product the fellas gotta have. Got a figure of putting out close to 2,000 crates a week. And that's just for starters. Boats unload liquor, sailed down from Canada, up from the Caribbean, across the Atlantic. I supply the product, 
You and your people work your magic. It is watered down, mixed with poisons, and sold by criminals for whom murder is a means of doing business. So the the basic premise is is this is just a sort of a of a lifestyle peek behind the curtain of the coke fueled nineteen seventies. Kind of like there's a guy who is running a record label. He's got a great ear for talent. Uh, things are going really well, but then he has some sort of midlife crisis, and uh, you know the, the mob's involved. Andrew Dice Clay is one of the people involved, uh, is one of the people cast in the film or in the, in the series. So this should be good. What has Andrew Dice Clay been up to? The very good question. I'm on the Intertron here, um, Mr. Adventures of Ford Fairlane. By the way, he's 57 years old. Did you know that? Yeah, that's right. He's been around for quite some time. Yeah, I'm looking at his filmography, and it ends in 2014 with an episode of The Blacklist. He was also on Tosh.0? Uh, not according to this. Okay, well, it was one of the Tosh films. There, I've ordered my license plate frame. You ordered your license plate frame? I have. Uh, he was also on Entourage, I think. Yes, that's right. He spent some time on Entourage. Did you see the Entourage movie, by the way? No, I'm going to wait for it to show up on Netflix. I was told that it was basically Sex in the City for guys. Sure it is. That's, why, that's, that's what the TV series was. And now the people behind Entourage have this new program on HBO called Ballers, which is all about uh, professional football, which is actually really good. Stars uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And he is a fan- he's a fantastic actor in this role. He's very, very good. I'm a Samantha. <laughs> I'm Miranda. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.